Most bankers aren't ready to help you until after their third cup of coffee. But with Central National Bank's after-hours service, you don't have to wait for the bank lobby to open to get help. You can contact us from 6 to 8.30 in the morning or from 5 to 10 in the evening, and we'll connect you to a real, live, local person who can answer questions and fix problems seven days a week. Bank different. Bank central. Central National Bank. Member FDIC. This is a Rogue Media Network podcast. KWTX at 4 starts now. Thanks for joining us on this Monday. I'm Justin Early here with Megan Boyd and meteorologist Camille Hawksworth. Yes, it is Monday. Happy Monday. We have a great week of shows lined up, and today actually kicks off back to school week. So all week long, we're going to be joined by people with uh, Baylor Scott and White talking about all different kinds of things, important topics for the start of the new school year. Things like nutrition, physical health for kids, even mental health too. Absolutely. And we're also talking about today, sleep. How to get your kids back on track with their sleep schedule. That has to be, you know, I have nephews and a niece and they just sure. like to stay up late and you can tell them go to sleep, but they sneak a phone in or something and then right. they're on the tablets. And, and that yeah. adjustment from summer to mm -hmm. when you go back Monday through Friday, I mean, mm -hmm. we know how we feel when we go on vacation for a week and have to go back to work, but yeah. they've been for months, you know, on yeah. who knows what kind of schedules. So. I bet they've got some good tricks for us coming exactly. up, some good tips. Well, let's go ahead and get started with now with our daily four. And pretty interesting news here defense officials confirm. Four United States Navy destroyers were dispatched off the coast of Alaska after nearly a dozen Chinese and Russian ships were spotted near the Aleutian Islands. You see them there at the bottom of the screen. This happened last week, but it's just recently come to light over the weekend, and we're getting more information today. Now, this show of force by the U.S. and what happened to the coast with the other vessels is a reminder of the cooperation between the Chinese and Russian militaries and of just how close the countries are to Alaska. You saw that map. Not much bandwidth there, just a little bit of distance. I was going to say, hang yeah. on. And the lines kind of split down the middle sure. for the two. Republican Senators Dan Sullivan and Lisa Murkowski, they say they received detailed classified briefings about all this. And it appears the U.S. military is taking this more seriously than the past because Senator Sullivan said Chinese and Russian vessels also came similarly close to Alaska last summer. And in that case, a U.S. Coast Guard ship encountered the vessels. At that point, Senator Sullivan said he'd like a more robust response at that time. So he said this time he was pleased that four U.S. Navy destroyers were sent to the scene and um, many media outlets have talked or requested some comment from Chinese and Russian officials. A Chinese embassy spokesperson says um, these countries were conducting joint maritime patrols in that part of the ocean. They said it was not targeted at any third party. Who really knows? We know proximity can lend itself to surveillance in many cases. We saw right. the balloon, you know, earlier uh, <laughs> and other things. And so proximity can, can help with those kinds of things. We really don't know what exactly they were doing, but got a little too close for the U.S. Uh, military's comfort. So that was the reaction. It is crazy that that happened last summer, too. So mm -hmm. I think it's a good point. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. You know, this is tangent. I'm so sorry. But, um, you know, you talked about how close they are. Mm -hmm. I recently actually saw a picture of there's like these two little islands um, that are, are even closer than the actual land masses mm -hmm. of Russia. And, uh, and Alaska. And um, literally, there's one island here, one island here. And in the in the winter time, uh, the ice can freeze over, yeah, and it's a like a bridge. Yeah, but it's illegal to walk the ice between this island sure. and this island. They don't have a border there, patrol yeah. put up there. So it's crazy yeah. that we're talking about this, and I just saw that. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. The proximity really is shocking when you look at the map and see. And I was like, am I? 
stupid? When I first saw them, I was like, <laughs> no. is that edited? No, no, and then no, you no. said it's surprising how close mm -hmm. it is. You never yeah. see a map with them side by side like that. Yeah. Not usually. Yeah, yeah you think it's on the other side of the world. Right, there's a huge ocean in mm -hmm. between, you would think. Mm -hmm. But just all the more reason to be, to alert, be alert. Be aware, right, keep surveillance kind of up. That's right. Now it's the number two in our Daily Four. There's big news, guys, out of the college sports world. There's probably been seeing lots of different headlines. This is ever-evolving. Conferences are breaking up. Schools mm -hmm. are realigning of what conference they're going to be associated with. The Big 12 in particular, uh, the conference that Baylor is in, now looks like it's going to have 16 teams mm -hmm. come next fall. I don't know if they're going to call it the Big 12 or, sorry, the Big 16 or not, but University of Oklahoma, Arizona State, and University of Arizona all announced they're leaving the Pac-12, joining the Big 12. Recently, Colorado also made a similar announcement, so they're they're on that list as well. But it, it's an interesting conversation. Uh, it leaves the Pac-12 right now with four schools. It's Cal, Oregon State, Stanford, and Washington State are left. Oh, wow, that's a small number. So I think they're all going to jump ship, find somewhere else to go. And it, it feels as though this will be the death of the Pac-12, if you will. It's about the second time in history that we've seen a uh, power conference go down like this. But I wanted to show you this map. So this is the look of the Big 12 come, come uh, 2024, like we said, but notice, okay, let's take Utah, for example, and all their sports, right? Not just football, but softball and soccer teams. They could have conference games against teams like Cincinnati, West Virginia, mm -hmm. Central Florida, how far they're having right. to travel. Exactly. There's a lot of athletes in some of those smaller sports that are speaking out about this change. A lot of it has to do with TV rights and some of those big time sport things, but when you think about those athletes in the smaller sports, some of them are saying they chose their school knowing that they're in a conference where their parents wouldn't have to travel that far to see their games. That's a long way to go. You factor in mental health of college athletes mm -hmm. and just time to study and all those true. things when you're on the road to go that far. That's true. true. I think, wasn't it, I mean, initially it seems like logically you would create those based on geography specifically. Yes. Right. I mean, maybe that was the initial intention, I, I would assume. Certainly with the Pac-12, that yeah. was definitely you a know. regional yeah. thing. And then now we're seeing just the spreading. It's, it's, it's bizarre how things have changed, but we'll see what happens with this. These Does it all come down to TV rights or what? Or is there's the, there's the different money? factors. Yes, there's money involved and just yeah. different arguments. Shifting, today. shifting right. conferences all but over. We just lost some teams, right? Correct. To the so, FCC. Oklahoma and Texas are going to the SEC. This year, they're still in the Big 12. Okay. But we gained four teams this year to the Big 12, which is BYU, Central Florida, Houston, and Cincinnati. So those are now in, as of this year, with Oklahoma and Texas. Next year, Oklahoma and Texas move to the SEC. Bunch yeah. of other Pac-12 <laughs> schools are going to the Big 10, so they have that same problem of commuting across the country. So it's a mess right now to try to remember who's with what. Yeah, I know, because sure. we were the Big 12, and we went right. down in numbers, and we then we were like, the big we don't eight, have to. But we yeah, didn't call big, it the Big 8. So now we have 16, so name I mean, the, the sweet 16. I don't know. We need more Roman it. numerals, I guess. That's yeah. right. Speaking <laughs> of all that traveling and moving here and there, let's talk about number three in our Daily Four. And you're soon going to need more than a passport to visit many European countries if you're from the U.S. Now, visas are required for people who visit more than 90 days to many countries in Europe. Starting next year, those people who are visiting 90 days or less will need something called an ETIAS travel authorization. ETIAS stands for the European Travel Information and Authorization System. In Forbes magazine broke all of this down as far as the reasons why. The ETIAS requirements are meant to help spot risks when it comes to security, high epidemic threats or irregular migration, and that's based on the people who are traveling in and out of the country, so they're keeping better tabs on folks. There's a small fee. Uh, this does not impact Great Britain, 
Ireland or Scotland, but it does impact 30 other countries. And some of those are big travel destinations, including this, all the Scandinavian countries, Spain, Italy, France, Germany, Netherlands, and Czech Republic. Uh, that's just some of the, of the sure. 30. And it's more expensive now to travel to. The average cost for a flight to Europe is actually $1,200. According to a travel booking app, though, that's the highest price in the last six years or so. Wow. And we know the pandemic has had something to do with it here and there and across the way. But I mean, the highest price is six years. People are still going, though. They're trying yeah, to get so it in. so many people that mm -hmm. are taking these trips overseas. Yeah, so that'll be interesting to have to get that extra. When does that go into effect? Sometime in 2024. There's no set deadline as far as the month or exactly when, but I feel like I would probably try to get in early before you have to add that extra requirement, paying the money right. and jump through the hoops and everything. Through yeah, how long does it take to apply for a visa to get a visa? Well, and again, this is not a visa. This is called an oh. entire authorization. Oh, right. The visa is for really, truly a long-term stay. Got it. And so they want to make a specific differentiation between these two things. It's probably fewer who Hoops, but it's still hoops, you know, it's right. still extra, and you think about a passport, you know? how much yeah. they save, what, 90 days to mm -hmm. account for that. So just another thing you have to think about when you're traveling to make sure those are going to come in time for your trip, especially if you're, what if you already have one booked? Right. Yeah. That's true too. I think hopefully this is far enough in advance that they're warning folks, but right. you know, again, it's like, um, it really does kind of make it a bigger deal. If you have to go through all these uh, steps, it kind of makes it a bigger deal to go and make more of a monumental experience. So puts a different perspective, I guess. For how it. long do they last, do you know? If you fill it Not out? Not sure how long they wonder last. wonder how long it'll out. be good for you. Yeah. Yeah, some questions to be answered there for sure as they come online with Me this. planning my pretend Yeah, trip she's going to go. <laughs> Me too, hopping on. I'm so worried about this and all my travels to Europe. Exactly. Let's go to uh, number four now in our daily four. Yes, yeah, speaking about monumental things, uh, you can start calling her billionaire Barbie. Barbie <laughs> is making history after raking in more than $1 billion at the box office. This movie has only been out for three weeks. I know we've been talking about it a lot, but Warner Brothers says writer director Greta Gerwin's blockbuster has brought in an astounding $1.3 billion uh, at the around the world. So this makes history as the first movie directed solely by a woman to hit box office with this milestone. Some media analysts say only about 50 films have hit the billion dollar mark wow. and the money isn't just rolling in from ticket sales. We also have a lot of Barbie merchandise mm -hmm. hitting the market, yes. but there's a new one. We have, <laughs> this is Weird Barbie here. Weird Barbie. <laughs> yes, um, and Mattel announced the pre-orders were available for the Weird Barbie, which is played by SNL star Kate McKinnon. Uh, Weird Barbie is supposed to represent that one Barbie that gets played with a little too much. You cut her <laughs> hair, you kind of give her some extra <laughs> makeup there. Yeah. Yes, I know we all kind of had one of those, but um, it is available uh, in the upcoming days. Or actually, I think it is available now, um, so you can add this Barbie to your collection. For, I think you pre-order those right now, I think. Oh, sure. pre-order for, right, for your collection. And you know, I. I I remember seeing my mom had these these Barbies from like the 60s when we were kids playing. My brother and I would throw them off the top of the roof with parachutes and we destroyed them. We mangled those Barbies for free. But still, this is, and we're sorry. We feel bad about it because it could be worth a lot of money now. But this is great because she's kind of like the offbeat character. Right. A lot of folks, if they don't fit into like the pigeonhole, the stereotype, they love this Barbie because she's kind of like just the odd man out, but has a special quality too. So we love her. This I, reminds me, I'm ahead. sorry, no, no I was going to say, this reminds me of Forky from Toy Story 4. Oh, oh yeah, yeah, I like that. Element. That's it reminds me also of Angelica from Rugrats. Okay, yeah. Um, she was, yes. I forget the character. She was <laughs> Angelica's doll, actually. Maybe oh, Cynthia yeah. is her name, Cynthia. is the doll. Okay. It just yes. came to me. I feel like Barbie looks good, though, for Weird she Barbie. She looks great. 
Weird yeah. Barbie is even a little more wonky than that. Yeah. I like the pixie haircut yes, she has. Yeah. Yeah, Quick so story, my grandmother used to sew the clothes on our Barbie dolls Sweet. so that we could not treat them poorly. They, they stayed in their she outfits and them. they will be protected. Barbie protector. Time. I love it. <laughs> no weird Barbies in her it's house. Fantastic. Well, we have a lot more coming up. Coming up, we uh, kick off back to school week with some advice. It's great advice to get your kids back to sleep, back to bed on time, how to develop those good sleeping habits for the beginning of the new year. It's happy music, right? I love yes, it, right? It's, it's back to school week, all week long here on our KWJX at 4 show. Every day this week we'll feature different topics to help you and your kids have a great start to the school year. Today we're kicking things off with a very crucial subject, which is sleep. Yes, and making sure your kids get enough of it. So joining us now to give us some bedtime insights is Dr. Gregory Newman from Baylor Scott and White Hillcrest uh, Marketplace Clinic. We want to thank you so much for being here with us. Thank you for having me. Of course. So some classes already started, but we have a lot of districts that are going to be getting back into mm -hmm. the swing of things next week. What is the key message here for sleep to make sure that kids get in the right pattern? Well, even if you've already started school, you still uh, can catch up or change the sleeping habits to what's optimal for your own child. The biggest takeaway from this is make sure your kids are getting consistent and enough sleep each night. Okay. Why is that so important for kids when they're headed off to this new school environment from all the relaxation of summer to make sure that they get that good sleep and that good quality sleep? So for kids, and this includes adults as well, but especially kids that are in their kind of developmental years, and so what they need is restorative sleep, and they need a lot more of it than we do as adults, and so it's important, and a lot of our kids, starting very, even in the kindergarten, first grades, are becoming sleep deprived, even in our, uh, especially in America. Wow, so what is the actual recommended sleep schedule, either for young or older, kids? So I would say start with kids from anywhere from six to 10, six to 12 years old, you're really looking at easily 10 to 12 hours of sleep a night oh. that's recommended. And you can't catch up on that. So your kid can't necessarily lose sleep during the week and say, you know what, we'll catch up on the weekend. Mm -hmm. Unfortunately, the body just doesn't work that way. <laughs> adolescents also need their sleep and they'll say that they don't. And really a lot of times our adolescents are overscheduled but really they should be getting 10 to 12 hours of sleep each wow. night. So a parent knows, now if they have the knowledge, they know that's how much they need. What are the tips and tricks to get them going? How, what are the steps to make that happen for the okay. kids? Okay, so if you are behind or you're off schedule, you don't wanna just shock their system and all of a sudden shift it one way or another, especially you have a buffer coming into school and maybe school starts in a week to 10 days from now. So try to do uh, a kind of a schedule change in increments of about 15 minutes each day. And that That's way right. you're not putting them to a shock. So maybe Elena, a lot of kids are in the summer sleeping. They're going to bed a lot later, right? right? So we want them to start sleeping, get that schedule back about 15 minutes and then start waking them up about 15 minutes early okay. as long as they're getting that ideal amount of sleep. Okay, got it. So we talk about, right, how serious this is, but tell us some of the realities of what happens when kids go to school and they did not have enough sleep. Okay, so I think for all parents, this is gonna be pretty obvious. You know, you have kids and they start having attention problems at yeah. school, sometimes behavior problems. They're not gonna learn as optimally. They've done studies on adults where they lose so much sleep during the day, or I mean, excuse me, during the night that they end up being actually impaired. And so you don't want your child to also have that, especially when they're in that all important stage of uh, learning the most important things they do at school. 
You mentioned earlier that these days more kids are going without more sleep. They need more, need it more than they used to because they're not getting enough. What are some of the reasons why? I mean, we think about screens, obviously. Um, how much can that screen time impact kids' sleep, and what should parents do to kind of police that? Okay, so this is probably parents are going to want to cover their kids' ears at okay. this point. <laughs> okay. Um, our recommendation usually in medicine is to remove all screens from the bedroom, and so that includes your TVs, your tablets, your phones. Um, it's distracting, and it's usually not setting up the mind to kind of rest and get ready for sleep during that time. And so I would say that's probably the biggest thing you can do. And the biggest thing we see is distractions. And so, and when you set the kids up with that overstimulation before bed, not only are they gonna have a harder time falling asleep and maybe they stay up until one or 2 a.m. on their phone, you don't know it. Right. Um, they're also setting the brain up for not a good period of rest when they actually do go to sleep. Okay. Maybe just for a parent who says, okay, we remove the devices, but my kid is telling me that they still are just not sleeping. We send them to bed, but they just stay up all night. Is there a certain point people should be concerned and asking their doctor, or what other methods would you recommend for them? Sure. First off, what I would think is go ahead and, and get them into a routine. And so that might be maybe not reading a book in their bed, or maybe they come to your room. If they're young enough, you guys sure. cuddle for a little while, read a book. They can sit on the couch maybe, or a chair in their room and read a book. Um, that's a really good way. Maybe take a warm bath, make sure they haven't had too much caffeine close mm -hmm. to bedtime. Okay. And if you're still having a lot of problems, a lot of awakening at night, you're worried about they're having sleep tears or they're just not getting good quality sleep, then I would definitely talk to their pediatrician or family sure. doctor about what's going on. All right, okay. Dr. Newman, we appreciate all the advice. We're gonna do our best. We're gonna go out there yes. with your words and try to make it happen. Thanks so much for all being right, here. Thank you guys. We wanna let you know we have more helpful information coming up this week to help parents and kids Start off the new school year. Uh, tomorrow we're talking about nutrition and how we feed our bodies to help feed our minds too. Also coming up after the break, we'll continue our back to school theme with some tips on how to save on your school supply shopping list. That's next.